What scares you? This week, I witnessed an advertisement for a new television series based upon a recent horror film. And just watching the clips gave me the shivers, and I wondered why would anyone put themselves through that terror and the nightmares that'll cause for months or years to come? I certainly can still recall the silly, scary movies I watched as a child. To this day, those clips from a Hitchcock movie flashes through my mind at certain times. This got me to thinking, as moments in life often do, what scares us? For one young woman, I know death is a frightening thought, and whenever she thinks about it or hears of someone's passing, tears immediately well up. Even as a believer, she's frightened by it, and with COVID, it's been a pressing reality besetting many families. Perhaps you feel the same. You know that heaven is your home, but walking through the door from this life to the next fills you with dread. God knew we would feel that way and comforts us in his word with his assurance of eternity. Let's begin with 1 Corinthians 15. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. A friend shared this verse with me immediately following my father's painful death from colon cancer. I was raw with grief and confusing sense of loss racked my brain when she read these words to me. Death is swallowed up in victory. I knew then that God understood my misery and his amazing grace soothed my ravaged soul. As a result, they've been words I've shared with countless people over the years who, like me, were battling the heartache of grief. But there's more. Do you know that Jesus is recorded as attending one wedding, the union of friends in Cana, where he performed this supernatural event of water to wine? I've come to realize how appropriate this miracle was in light of the situation. What couple isn't in need of having the simple water of their relationship transformed by the filling of wine, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, to make their life together the best it can be. Yet, Jesus is recorded as attending three apparent funerals, and at each one he dramatically illustrated that death has no sting. The first is the incidence of the young girl stricken with a fatal illness. A distraught synagogue father rushed to Jesus and threw himself at his feet. My daughter has just died, he cried, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and, and lay your hand on her. How did the man know this? We are told what had occurred to assure the man that Jesus could restore life, but he believed Jesus was capable of such a miracle. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music, we're told. They were prepared for death and laughed when Jesus proclaimed, the girl isn't dead, she's only sleeping. They knew what death meant. No heartbeat, no breath, 
There was no life left in this little girl, and they thought, what could this simple man in simple clothes accomplish? But Jesus entered the room, took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. There was nothing simple about what he accomplished. He retrieved the breath of life and placed it within her lungs once more. He took her silent heart and pumped it into motion and threw the ravages of disease and death far from her. The life giver had come and the life taker had fled away. Next, Jesus visited the village of Nain where he watched as a funeral procession passed by. A young man had died, leaving behind a widowed mother, her face tracked with tears, her shoulders hunched with despair, her feet dragging with the loss of pain. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he touched the young man and told him to arise immediately. Life rushed back into him and he sat up and began to talk. Imagine the joy of this mother once more. This leads us to the story many of us know so well, the raising of Lazarus. Deliberately, Jesus waited until his good friend Lazarus had succumbed to his illness, a decision neither his disciples or Lazarus's sisters could understand. When Jesus finally arrived at the funeral, both Martha and Mary accosted him, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. It is to Martha that he shares the words that still ring in our hearts today. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even after dying, everyone who lives, and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Upon seeing the weeping Mary, Jesus is inflamed at the misery death causes and seeks immediately to rectify it. Commanding them to roll away the stone, he calls forth Lazarus, who steps out alive once more. And there's so much more to the story, but for our purpose today, this is enough. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he showed his triumph over death, both then and always. It's a triumph that we too can enjoy when our life is in his hands. Finally, we come to the empty tomb. Despite the fact that Jesus gave up his spirit, despite the fact that the soldiers pierced his side, confirming death. Despite the fact Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea placed his body in the tomb. Despite the fact that a 2,000 pound stone was rolled across the entrance and Pilate's seal was affixed to the top. Jesus broke through the grave clothes, strode out from the opened tomb and stood in all his glory, calling tenderly to Mary Magdalene, why are you weeping? There was no stench of death clinging to him. He was abundantly, absolutely alive, ensuring that anyone who believes in the Son has eternal life. For as we read in Romans, now God's wonderful grace 
rules over us, instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son, the Apostle John wrote, into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. And we will keep ourselves safe in God's love, Jude wrote. And nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life or any of hell's powers. Paul wrote the Romans. With all these assurances, we can be confident that death is nothing to fear, for our eternity is guaranteed in Christ. So if death cannot harm us, well, perhaps you're worried and fearful about your financial security. For many, this is a terrifying prospect, not having enough to get what we need, fearing every day, will my bills be paid? Will my children have school fees and clothes to wear? Will, will I have enough for everything? I once had a dear friend who was so worried about this as a result of growing up in the chaos of an alcohol, alcoholic home that she married a man twice her age in the hopes of gaining financial security only to discover she didn't have happiness or security. Or the friend that gave up Christ when he didn't get all he wanted on his wish list. Or the person for whom holiness was surrendered for temporary happiness. For many years, especially my lean ones as a single missionary, I held on to the promise of Psalm 37. I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. In Proverbs 10, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. For in the same way that God fed the children of Israel with the manna from heaven, he will feed and care for us. Even as he fed them for 40 years so that their clothes and sandals never wore out and gave them food and water to sustain them, even their feet did not swell. How can we doubt that he will carry us through whatever trial we face? But just in case the doubts creep in, Jesus ensures us, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. <laughs> they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry or work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So don't worry for these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. 
which is why Paul wrote the Philippians. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. For God feeds us from the abundance of his own house, letting us drink from the river of his delights, David wrote. How wonderful is that? So, beloved, if today you have let the fears of life crowd in upon you, robbing you of peace of mind and heart, rest in these promises. When God is for us, nothing can stand against us. When we walk with him, we will never walk alone. When we place our lives in his hands, we are safe and secure forevermore. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.